Welcome to Live Life by Design. I am your host, Jeff Mendez. I'm extremely excited about today's guest, Jimmy Rex, for episode one. Enjoy. So Jimmy Rex is in the house. It's super fun to have you here. In fact, this is podcast number one for me. I've been a guest before, but I've never hosted, and you have hosted many, many. How many have you done? Dude, first off, I'm honored to be your first guest. I've done about 515 episodes now, and so that's on my show. I've been a guest probably another, I don't know, 100 times or so, but I'll tell you, I, I never do anybody else's podcast now unless they're about 30 episodes in okay. because... Uh, well, I was talking to Tim Ferriss one time about this. He said that about 93% of podcasts don't get past episode 11 and it's like 99% don't get to episode 60. And so I just don't ever want to be the guinea pig if people aren't going to take it serious. In your case, it's like, of course I'll come be the first guest. A, like that's kind of fun to be the first one, but B, I mean, dude, I just did a trip down with my guys down in Lake Powell. And you flew down to Lake Powell, took your whole family down to Lake Powell and freaking hung out for a day, came out to speak to my guys just because you're that person. And I didn't pay you. I just asked you and you agreed to come do it because you wanted to pour back into people. So, uh, you know, it's that principle of like, there's certain people that you would do anything for. And gosh, doing a podcast is obviously a pretty easy one, but I, you know, I'd do anything for you. I mean, you, you literally dropped all that. You spent a whole weekend just hanging out with us. So no, and I, it was a pleasure. It was an honor for you to send me the invite. I immediately said yes. In fact, I said yes before I even checked my calendar. Wow. Because I knew that I should say yes to you because of the relationship that we have and the contributions that you've made, not just in my relationship, but the, the contributions that you've made uh, to the people in my network as well, mm. where I know you're a massive value creator. So I'm going to say yes to those opportunities. Everything. If I'm in Italy, I'm flying back home and I'm coming to whatever Jimmy Rex needs me for. That's what it means to me, not just because of what you and I have done together, but the impact that you made to people around me. So it's, it's just love. It's it's value for value, and of course, I'm going to say yes. Well, it to is, and people say all the time, "How do you get around all these amazing?" Being? I was talking to some of your producers of the podcast before the show, talking about some of my podcasts I've had, Johnny Manziel and Jerry West, and you know some of these crazy connections that I made. It all comes back to one thing, and something I learned very early. You and I, it's what made our relationship. Um, go so deep so fast was when you truly do come from contribution, like you don't expect anything in return. You just are willing to give to other people. Dude, the doors will blow open for possibilities for you. I remember when I first wanted to meet with you, this whole podcast is about life by design. So it's a, I feel like it's a good thing to start out with. But when I was in real estate in 2008 and nine, Jeff, it was so hard. I mean, it was brutal. No one had money, nobody. And nowadays, even with the market being, you know, really crappy in real estate right now, there's a ton of money. There's trillions of dollars on the shelf, right? I mean, most people that we know have money sitting around waiting for the right opportunity. Nobody had money back then. I remember I met with my mentor and my real estate coach and I'm like, what do I do? And he goes, well, who do you know that has money? I'm like, nobody. He's like, okay, who do you know that has money that you don't know? And it was honestly, it was all the guys at Vivint. And so he said, let's do a strategy, go meet them, go create. And I knew how to create value. I'd listen to, you know, Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar, you know, if you want everything in this life, the you know, way to do it is to get, help enough other people get what they want. Right. And all these different quotes that I'm just butchering. And, uh, and so I knew Jerem Dastrup, knew Bodie, who was your partner. And so I just said, Hey, can I just get a lunch? And I met with you guys. And from the first time we met, I just 
said, if I can pour enough into these guys, I think I have, I think you guys have pain points that I know how to help with throwing parties and events and doing some of these things where you were just giving back to your guys. I remember you had a conversation that I think Casey told me about this later. Cause Casey was the one guy out of you three that never really got on board with Jimmy Rex, you know, <laughs> not at that time. Now we're very close, but he had a best friend that was in real estate and he basically just made it very clear. Jimmy's not going to be working with me. And I remember he was kind of trying to keep me away. And you said to him, uh, I think he's the one that told me this, but you said, Jimmy is doing every single thing we would want somebody to do. He's doing everything right. Of course, we're going to have him around. And I did come from that value. I remember Bo one time being like, well, what do you want from us, dude? I was like, nothing. If I create enough value, I know who you are. You're going to return that. It might be 10 years from now, but dude, we've been able to help each other back and forth a million different times, a million different ways. But that all started with coming from a place of contribution, but also being very intentional. Most people are friends with the people that move in next to them or the people that they go to church or school with or whatever. I said, who inspires me? Who's kicking butt right now that I want to be around? That was you guys. And when no one else had money, you guys were the only ones I knew that were just still kicking butt. And so I just did whatever I could, created as much value as I could to be in your world. No, that's, that's, that's cool to have those flashbacks. I mean, business-wise, 08 and 09 were some of our best years. Why? Because there was constriction in the market. So when you don't have all the resources available to you, you have to double, triple down and you're that much more focused. You're not fat and happy. You're not gluttonous. So we, we, we killed it um, doing what we do, especially in the guerrilla warfare style tactic of knocking doors, cold Turkey at Vivint. But I'm with you. So I believe in this notion. I, I want to get into relationships to give, mm. not to get, because if I get in a relationship to get, and I feel like I want or need to get something out of that relationship, it's not, it's, it's not going to be long lasting. It's going to be very finite and it's just going to feel weird from the onset. So I know that I can control my value contribution. I know that I can control my ability, my willingness to help others. And if I can focus on that and then whatever comes, comes, it is what it is. But if I'm expecting things from people, that's where frustration sets mm. in. So give, 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 give until it hurts. And just whatever comes back, comes back. Well, and energetically, when you um, are trying to get something, you might think you're sneaky. You might think they don't know. But energetically, you're only going to attract other people that are, that are that way. Yeah, yeah. So you end up with all these people that are using each other. You see those relationships all the time. But when you are truly a giver, and I, I used to teach a lot on this. Like I get asked to speak on networking all the time. And I teach this principle of like giving without expecting anything in return. And people couldn't help themselves. Dude, Jeff, people would come up to me after my speech. I literally had just taught the principal and they'd like hand me their card, be like, if you ever need windows, you know, call me or whatever it might have been. I'm like, did you, you not listen to a thing I just said? Did like, or they'd be like, hey, I want to help you. I can give you a discount on my product. And it's like, no, no, no you're still not getting it. Like you truly give expecting nothing in return. And that's how I built my real estate business. People would always get frustrated that wanted to partner with me on events or things I was doing because they'd say, like, well, okay, well, how many deals do you get? I said, I have no idea. All I know is if I give to enough people, if I make enough people's lives good or better in some way, then the money flows in. And like, well, we need to track this. And like, I can't track this. <laughs> That's not why I do it. And I've got, I've seen you get better and better at this over time. So what are some of those defining moments, those ahas where you're like, this is what I'm all about and this is how it works. I know you've had a lot of mentors. You pour a lot into, you know, self-development and you know, learning from people that are doing things at really high levels and you're vulnerable enough to receive this feedback and get coached, right? You know that you're your number one investment. So what are some of these aha moments or what are some of these, 
you know, guiding principles, if you will, that you completely follow that have allowed you to think and become this way? Mm. You know, and when I was really young in real estate, I had this huge advantage. I, I, my second full year as, as a realtor, I sold 98 homes. And so I had a lot of mentors that I didn't deserve people that would come out of the woodwork that were the best. And, and just, just to understand. So you sold 98 homes with that's, one assistant, just like that's in one year, one year. So to compare that, cause there's some folks that don't really, oh, the know. average second year agent was doing three or four deals. Yeah. Three or four in a year, year. and you did 98. Yeah. Okay. And this was back before teams and all that. I mean, this was just me yep. with like halfway through the year, I got an assistant kind of thing. Um, but because of that, I, it started opening up doors. And one of the things I realized, Jeff, is one of my first ahas is I got to be in these rooms with very successful people, um, wealthy people, uh, people that are just crushing life. But a lot of them, they were all older, 10 years older than me. Um, but what I realized is how much in, they loved being around positive energy. Like I would just come in and start having a good time and telling the stories. And they'd all say the same thing. They'd like start shaking their hands. They're just like, I just love being around you. Like they didn't know what it was. It was just energy, dude. And so the first thing I realized was just that energy that you show up with. Like every time, like I walk into a room, I said, I want people to be like, oh, heck yeah, Jimmy's here. You know, like, oh, sweet. Like this is going to be more fun now. And I remember as a kid, like you probably had this experience where you'd go to a couple of your buddies' houses and their dads were just off. They were just not very happy and just this bad energy. I just hated that. I remember as a little kid just saying, when I'm an adult, I just want to be a happy person. I want to be a happy adult. I want people to be excited when I show up. And so that was one of the first ahas was just being around them that they said they just love being around the energy. The second one that I really picked up on was, and you know this too, so few people just say or do what they say they're going to do. Like if you, I, I had, I had some doors open for me, some opportunities that I, again, just, just pure grace that I got to be a part of these different things. And I'd ask them, I'd be like, why'd you let me do it? You know, why'd you let me in? And they always said the same thing. Like multiple of them said the same thing. They're like, dude, you just show up and do everything you say you're going to do. And I remember one guy in particular, he's like, do you have any idea how nice it is a person in my position to just know that if I give you any task or ask you to do anything, you're going to over deliver it. I don't have to check up. I don't have to worry about it. It's no brain power. He's like, you just always do what you say you're going to do. And you're that way. I mean, the, as soon as you said, like, pal, you were coming, I didn't have to question it. I didn't have to make sure I had a plan B. It was like, that's done. That guy's going to be there, right? And the same thing with me. Like, if I say something, it's going to be done. Like, it's going to happen. And people know that. And so they can rely upon that. And those people just want to be around people they can, you know, trust. And trust is as much competence as it is loyalty and some of those kinds of things. And so just being a person that just over-delivered, like every single time you guys sent me a lead. Because you, dude, you really saved my business at a time there. I, In a time when I needed it, I probably sold in a two-year span 60 homes to guys that were directly under your your watch. And it was never lost on me, man. And I worked so hard to take care of those guys. I wanted so badly to make sure they got the right experience. And I never, I never took it for granted. I always followed up relentlessly, did my homework, did everything I could so that they could report back to you like, wow, thank you for referring that guy. You know, like it, if nothing else, I'd always say like, just make yourself easy to be referred in any aspect of life. Like you as a podcaster, I already talked to you about before the show of my best connection that I have with podcasting. He gets me amazing guests all the time. I haven't, I've told one other person about this guy. I told you before we even started because I know the type of experience that you're going to give that guy that he'll give to you. And so it gives me zero fear to make that introduction. Like I have people all the time that, I mean, daily, multiple people hit me up and want me to connect them with somebody in my world, right? In my network. 
And it's usually a no, because if I can't with 100% certainty know that you're only going to make that person's life better, it starts there. Like, are you just going to try to use them or take from them? Or are you going to be able to contribute back to my friend first? Because if that's a non-starter right there. If it's like, hey, can you connect me with so-and-so? I want to tell them about my, my promos stuff I do and see if I can use their company. And it's immediately they're trying to take, right? And so if I know anything like that, it's immediate no. But somebody like you that I know their life will be better, they'll call me in a year from now and be like, dude. I just got to say thanks for connecting me with so-and-so. That's what I'm looking for all the time. And because of that, the people in my life that have high value, that contribute a lot back, they, they know that. There's, there's almost like this, it's like Kyle Van Noy is one of my closest buddies. I'm in his inner circle, right? Introduced him to his wife. And dude, he called me on my birthday. He's literally on a plane getting ready to play in his stupid game. And he's calling me. He's like, he never misses. He never misses. And he, he told me one time, he's like, Jimmy, you're one of the few people few people that I always knew you were trying to give me more than you were ever trying to take. He's like, I've never had to worry about you, dude. He goes, in my world, everybody wants something. He's like, you're, you're, just, you're just real with it. And so that's the real reputation. That's the experience I want to give all my friends. Because if you do that, they'll open the door to anybody for you because they know it's only going to make them look good. Yeah. I just had, as you're talking, I just had this thought. I mean, if you lived in a world where you're always wanting to get something out of somebody, or when your communication and your relationships are based on that, where it's just gimme, 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 that sounds so exhausting to me. Oh yeah. So exhausting because there's just no, there's just no reciprocity there. And it's, you're waking up every morning kind of in a predatory fashion. Like that's just no way to live. Well, like you're, that's you're so also- exhausting. But people that do that, they think that they're getting ahead and that there's mm-hmm. a shortcut, but it's, they're, they're, they're running a longer mile. Like something that they could get done in a few steps because they're doing it the wrong way. It's taken them a, a lifetime to get there, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, then also, too, when you're the other way, when you are a true giver, you just attract the other givers. I'll give you an example. The other day, you hit me up and uh, you said, hey, there's this Cuban restaurant. You know yeah. these people. Like you have a relationship with them and they're, you know, been hurting a little bit. They've been but, struggling. And, and I've only been there a couple of times, but I, I could feel it. I could see it. I'm like, if anybody needs help, it's this family that's treating you like you're, they're welcoming them. It's almost like they're welcoming you into their home. Bro, when, when we were done with there. our meal, so 14 of us go down there just because you had told me about it. We went down there. We did the $100 dinner club on Monday. And 14 of us, we left a $1,400 tip to the whole, the family. It's a mom, a dad, and a daughter. Yeah. And dude, they, while we were eating, they made us a Tres Leches cake yes. for us. Yes. Like the best cake I've ever had, by the way. Um, shout out to that place. Uh, what was their name again? Batista. Oh, Batista. In Salt Lake. Oh my Bati- gosh. Bat- 2700 South. Go check it out. But dude. Cu- Cuban and Nicaraguan food. Incredible it's really story. Good. Incredible food. And, but my point is we were able to give that experience to them. That was you giving that through us. And because you are friends with other givers, somebody got a gift that you didn't even know was going to happen that day. And so your, your influence extended that day to change these people in some way. I mean, our whole meal was $190 for 14 of us. That's I mean, it? That's it. And we were the only people there the whole time we were there. Jeez. So my point is, is like that tip hopefully will, you know, make them yeah, yeah, rent yeah. for a month or two or something. Like it was... Um, but my point is your influence was able to benefit other people because of the type of people you've attracted into your life. And that's the beauty of only surrounding yourself with those kind of people. And the only way you're going to be around them is by being one of them. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I don't even know their names. <laughs> I've just eaten there a couple of times. I love the service that they rendered. They literally gave us a tres leches as well. <laughs> But they were like taking care of, care of us as if we were family. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, is there anything else? Hey, can I please give you this so you can try it? Like, 
they created raving fan service. So obviously you want to create value for people that are creating value for you. Mm -hmm. They didn't ask for the, they didn't ask for, they don't even know what a dinner club is until no. you guys show up on, <laughs> right. on Monday. But since they were willing to give and create value, then they, they're able to receive value in return. And that's, that was, that's what I'm always looking for. And I know that you're the same way. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. So you're, your early on days, a lot of real estate. Now I can see you pivoting more and you're still doing real estate, but you're pivoting more into this very mission driven cause of helping people live their life by design and, and just giving in a bigger fashion and creating networks of, of people that are like-minded that, that want to up their, you know, their, their life, if you will, but they also want to contribute. So maybe let's pivot into that a little bit. I know that the name of the organization is we are the, they, so maybe explain why the name, like I've heard it, but I, I'd like to hear it from you and just what that's all about and what causes you to want to do this so passionately. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> four years ago, almost to the day I, I sold the most expensive home ever in Utah at the time was 32 and a half million dollars. Um, I mean, it's like a seven figure check in one day, basically. I was number one in Utah that year. I had hit this spot in my career and you kind of get satiated a little bit, right? I was kind of like it should have meant more than it did. It was kind of like I'd kind of ran this game and it was kind of like, okay, there's gotta be something more for me here. And I knew that I had a higher purpose. I just, my soul was calling me to do something that was more impactful long-term. And because of, you know, my, I had this just huge desire my whole life to be the best version of myself, which led me to a lot of conferences and events and coaching and just spending time with guys like you. And I'm just, I had all these crazy experiences and I was like, I have to do something with all this bigger than just selling homes. And a lot of my friends, a lot of people on Instagram had started reaching out to me too. And they said, where do we find a group of friends like you have? Mm. And it was like, it hit me. I was like, I've always taken for granted how easy it is for me to make good friends. Like I've always been able to do that. Now there's the opposite end of that is like being in one romantic relationship was always not my strong suit. Right. And so because of that, I really relied upon my friends. I actually had in my meditation the other day, I had this like vision of, you know, it's like, and if you're playing chess, if you know, the King loses his queen or doesn't have a queen on the board, you damn well better have a lot of other pieces protecting you. You got to have your castles, your dudes that keep you crowned. You got to have your bishops, the guys that, you know, bring you spirituality. You got to have your knights, the guys that give you adventure and fun and, and all these people, your mentors, the pawns and all these people, right? The, the people get to mentor. And I was like, got pretty emotional thinking about it. I'm like, man, I've, I've had to stack this board in my life with these other people just because I haven't found that other piece yet, right? The queen and to stay alive and to keep thriving. And so for me, my gift, thankfully, um, because of that experience of being single for so long, I really learned how to be an amazing friend. I really knew how to attract friends and help other people become deep uh, in their friendships. And so at first when I was like trying to think of what I was going to do next, because when I sold that house, I knew I was like, I got it. You know, this has got to change. I was just dissatisfied with it all at that point. And oh, hold, hold on. <laughs> so that's interesting. One, probably the most successful day of your real estate career is one of the emptiest days from what I'm understanding. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, a high like success in your business caused you to really contemplate what's next in life or what am I doing? Is that yeah, what i Cause like when you're staring at a mountain, you're like, wow, as soon as I get to the peak, you know, but when you're up there and you're like, I think it's like I was, I took pride in the fact that I'd achieved what I did and I'd gotten to this place, but I'd been at the top of the mountain for a minute, you know? And it was kind of like, I'm ready for a new mountain. Like I got bored of going up the same mountain. How's that? So it was kind of like, it wasn't that I was just like, it was, it wasn't an empty day, but it was like, 
I, my soul was just calling me to something more. But, but that's what's interesting. When you, like, <laughs> when you think about it monetarily, it's like, wow, this is, in, this is incredible. I feel so fulfilled. You know, all these years of me grinding and blitzing and all the troubles that I dealt with in 08 and 09. Look at what it's done. I, I surpassed this. And yet it was a time for you to have that introspection and retrospection to say, there has to be something else here. So it's crazy that by achieving that success, mm -hmm. it led you into this, which is that that much more rewarding, that much more fulfilling. So I just wanted to make sure that we understood. Yeah, you know, in that my piece right there. In my previous book, um, you end up where you're heading. I talk about the hero's journey a lot. And once you hit the peak, you you, you know, mm. the next part of the journey is to come back down the mountain and mm. share it with everybody else. Interesting. And so I think that's in my journey at that point, I was time to come and share it with everybody else. And so, you know, when I started thinking about what I was going to do next and I realized I was like, dang, I have a special ability to help men connect on a deep level, um, which I've never seen anybody better, by the way, I've never seen a guy be able to get so many groups of people together and everybody feels like they can put, you, you create organizations and groupings where people don't have to fit in. They can belong. And that's very, very admirable. Thank you. And that's when I, I said, I, this light bulb went off and I was like, instead of feeling like an imposter, because when it was like, oh, you're going to be a coach or whatever, it's like, I might have coach other yeah, people, yeah. you know? But when that was what I realized my gift was, and that's what people were reaching out to me trying to figure out, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the most qualified human in the world for this. Like, I know exactly how to do this. So I literally just put into practice all of the things I'd learned, all the lessons to connect to my friends. And I just launched the program just in hopes that it would be what I thought it was going to be. And that first weekend, I mean, it was just so life changing for every single guy there. And I knew I had tapped into this special thing and I think it was guided. And I think my path, it gave so much purpose to all the pain of my path because there was a lot of times where you are lonely. You spend a lot of Thanksgivings or Christmases by yourself. Mm. And you have to, I think you have to go to that place and understand that to truly value the relationships when you build them. And so I was, it meant so much to me to build these relationships. Dude, every single night, there's guys in my group getting together and going and doing things with friends that they never imagined in their life they'd have a friend like that. And it's so satisfactory for me. Like a couple of my buddies are going to the Oregon Utah game tomorrow. They all met through me. And you know, I can't even go, I'm going somewhere else. And um, there's a party tonight that a bunch of the guys and their wives are going to. Uh, last weekend, they all did a murder mystery. Last night, a guy, one of the guys in my group from Lebanon, his mom opened a rug shop and 20 guys from my group showed up to like support them on their grand opening. Like it's every single night, dude. And at the end of the day, if I, you know, if I die tomorrow and I'm known as a community builder now, and I built these friendships that last forever, like that's so much more meaningful than anything else I could have done with these talents. And so the reason why I called it We Are The Day, I would kind of had this you know, when I was really on my journey to figure out what I was gonna do next, there was a couple pieces. One is like, I love traveling and I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to have these epic experiences. But, by the way, one of the first times we spent a lot of time together was in Brazil. Brazil, so yeah, maybe, the, the World Cup, bro. Yeah, so talk about that well, for a second. So here. think about what it did for our friendship. I mean, you and I were like, we were friends, but it was still kind of like, all right, I don't really know this guy a that bit well. more surface level. Yeah, and then dude, I think the first thing we did is we went to the Spurs Heat NBA Finals game together. Yeah, yeah. And dude, just spending two days together, it expedited our friendship a year. Yep. So as I was building this program out, I knew for these friendships to go deep quick, we had to A, have big emotional experiences. That's part of it. And then two, you have to be, you have to leave your area together. You have to go travel and travel do something. far enough where you can really truly discover who you are. Yes. And so the, I, that was a big part of my program. And so I wanted to put that in there. But yeah, I mean, when we went to Brazil, well, it was even funnier because like, 
Casey and Bo, let's just be real, they were needing the first class. Everything. I don't think Bo left the the spa the whole time we were there. They were playing that game. Oh, bro, they were playing Risk on their phone all day, and then the spa, and then VIP to the event. (laughs) Me and you were like, let's go see Brazil. We're here. Let's go check out the locals. And, you know, they ended up leaving early, and me, you, and Joe They were playing Risk the whole time. Like, we're in the car traveling the country and they're staring at their stupid phone. Bro, there's not one playing <laughs> risk and we're like watching the whole scenery and the whole like festivities of the World Cup happening all around us. It's like it's like the this epicenter the, of the world. Dude, the World in Cup in Brazil. You yeah, know what I like, mean? Can't like, get better than that. No. And so we ended up going the last the three of us by ourselves for half the time. Um but that really, like, from that day forward, it was like we were home. It was magical, you know? yeah. Yeah, it's like we were, in fact, we went through something kind of difficult together. We got our money pickpocketed <laughs> from one of our other friends that's not here. and We, uh, won't, we won't mention his name, but no. it, the initials are Javon Melendez. <laughs> Those are the initials. Well, the sad part about that, which is actually kind of cool about that, too, it was like, you know, he felt so bad because we didn't have money to buy new tickets. So instead of going to that third World Cup game, we had to go watch it at, like, some spaghetti yeah. restaurant. But... It was like, it was fine. It was but like, it, we were just homies. Like, if it that actually made a, happened, there's no way. We, I mean, we're not telling the story today. So it's I like, know. It's, no, it was back, perfect. It's really cool. It was perfect. And, and even the way we handled that, I know how much he appreciated that because he felt so bad. Yeah. And it was like, dude, and he cared much more than my, us, I think anyway. But, but the point of that is like, so by doing these things. And so when I kind of started piecing this together, I knew it was going to be adventure and travel. I wanted to include, so we are the they, what had happened is a couple years earlier, I started going undercover. Um, you know, with Child Liberation Foundation, Operation Underground Railroad, and some of these groups. And I had a chance to be part of these incredible experiences where we had these rescues um, of kids that were being sex trafficked. And one of them in particular, this is the one that like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the news right now where they're getting, you know, uh, and and there's plenty of things that were wrong with the way we did those ops. But there's one op in particular, and it was actually this op. We were in a place and these dudes were evil. I say like some of the dudes were bad dudes. These dudes were evil. They had an organization around this. Like they were able to tap their phones, the police, and they had, they were absolutely trafficking kids. We knew it. The kids didn't want to be there. And so we did the takedown. But it was intense. Like they had guns on them. Like they had a perimeter set. Like this was the one takedown that was pretty freaking scary of all of them. And when I got back, my girlfriend at the time picked me up from the airport and and we were driving home in my truck. And she pulls over because I'm starting to tell her about it. And I'm just like pumped. We just did this rescue and this whole thing. And I'm telling her about it. And she says, hey, I don't want you to do this anymore. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Did you not just hear what I said? Like, you know, we rescue these kids. This is going to be part of my life now. She goes, I know, but like, it's just, it's a bad environment. It's, it's not, a, you know, it's just, it's dangerous. And I was like, I know, but like, this is, you know, did you not just hear what I said? And she goes, well, why can't they just go do it? And without even thinking, I said, there is no they. Like, we are the they. And when I said that, I was like, oh, wow. I spent, dude, just shivers down my spine. And I was like, how long ago was this? Oh, that was probably five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. And so from that day forward, I knew I, that was like my life motto. And in fact, I got it tattooed on my arm like four years ago. And I, I, I was so anti-tattoo, but that was just part of my soul. I was like, that's going to be part of me. And, uh, and so when I launched the program, it was the natural, easy name to call the group We Are The They. And what's cool is the guys take so much pride in what that means, right? There was a guy that came and he was like, a, he was trying to sell us like, TRT replacement and yeah. like talk, talk to us about it, but he screwed up the name of the group and everybody turned on him. They dude. lit him up. Oh no. Like he, not one person signed up for the service. Like this dude was not oh. dialed in and he kind of made a joke about it. Like it didn't matter. And like, it was like attacking somebody's identity. Every person in the group's looking at me and I'm just like, Oh, this dude doesn't know what he just did. That's because, when you know you've created something because you special. take pride in it, man. Yeah. It matters. In well, that, that's when you know where it's not 
like yours. It's not yours. No, there's, it's, there's it's a reason called We Are The They. Yeah, it's if, everybody's. And this is what I was getting at. It's like, if I passed away tomorrow, this thing would live on. It it's really awesome. would now. Like, it would it would obviously look different. But, like, the friendships would live on. The the organization would live on. The, well, the principle of you, We Are you, The They would live on. As you mentioned, on. you don't have to be present in these events that your members right. are putting on organically right. outside of the events that you sponsor. That's, oh, that's just when it's beautiful. Dude, that's, I, I'm that's literally, you know it's scaling. guys, like I'll get texts like, hey, four of us met up last night. Just wanted to let you know this person was going through this. We had the most beautiful night. He talked about this and... And it was, I'm just like, oh, cool. Like I wasn't even, I didn't even know about it. And sure. it's like vicariously, these things are all happening. And what's cool is all these guys that are going through their own healing process and their own experience, they're now able to be so qualified to help the newer guys and other guys that are going through it. And so it's just, it just keeps expanding on itself. And, and that's really, I mean, dude, you know, like the world's got so many issues. Like if you get caught up in all that, you can't change anything. Like what you can change is the people that are in your world. And so by doing that with this program and helping the men that are directly, you know, tied to us, yeah. I feel like that's the greatest contribution I can give to the world itself is just trying to help one at a time. Each of these well, guys it's like the mother Teresa quote, right? If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. It all starts with proximity. The, mm -hmm. the issue is we try to focus on the things that we can't control. Mm -hmm. we, we as human beings like to say, well, I'm not responsible, but we're in fact admitting that we're irresponsible. Everything starts in, in your home and the proximity, the people that are around you. You can mm -hmm. make a difference. Well, and it starts with you and it starts with your inner circle. Yeah. Well, you saw this first. I mean, basically what I do now is what you did with the guys when you mentored them. Like how many guys call you mentor or coach or poppy sure. dad, sure. you know, it's because you were doing the same thing. And dude, your influence... You influence guys like Doug Cartwright and Sam Taggart. Some of these guys, you know, there's tons of them, but then they go out and they influence all yep. these other people. And, you know, some of these dudes, when I first launched my program, it was funny. I, I didn't know if anyone was going to sign up. I was hoping they would, but I had 50 spots available. And the day we launched it on Instagram, within eight hours, I had over 145 people apply and uh, I had to shut down my marketing. Wow. And I went through all those applications for two days that first weekend, dude. And I would look at every one of their Facebooks and Instagrams and I was looking at their kids. I wanted to see who this program was going to affect because this was the program, dude, it's been really easy for me to design it because I said, what did my dad need when he was mm. this age? Like mm -hmm. what my dad, 95% of the time was the best dad and that 5% could be really bad. But I had a chance to talk about seven, eight months ago. We had this really cool, um, just talk and for hours and he's telling me things he's never told me before and some really deep things that he's hold on to. And I said, dad, when's the last time you talked about this with anyone? And he said, I've never been able to talk to mm. anyone about this. Not even my mom for 37 years married, dude. Mm. And I realized that like, like men don't have a place to do this. Like there is, it's not safe. It's not a container that's been set that allows them to be vulnerable, to not be okay. And in, in some of these cases, and like he was sharing things that just he needed to share and God bless him. And so like I've created a program that's what my dad needed and what my mom needed when they were, you know, younger and trying to do this and trying to be. Do you, good do you have, because I, I mean, I see it and, and, you know, we, we understand that there's power and vulnerability and that used to not exist, right? Yeah. It's machismo, like, you know, all that stuff. Do you still, I'm sure you do, but I'll ask the question anyway, but do you still get a lot of people like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Like this sounds oh, kind dude, of fruity. I hear horrible things all the time. So I'll give you an example. Just the other day, I had a new member want to join. And this is the only reason I mention this is because it, it makes me feel bad because there's men that are missing out on it because there's people that are outside of it that fear their own emotions. They sure. fear their own sexuality. They fear whatever that is about them. Sure. Um, so I'll give you this example. So a buddy called me, or a guy called me up to join the group. He'd been re referred and he said, look, dude, I'm really, I 
I've seen the changes in my buddy. Yep. I've just got one concern. He said, I heard from somebody that you had two of the guys pretend they were gay and they recorded it and then they had to like stage a fight and break up. I was like, what is he even talking about? <laughs> and then I remembered like a year ago, I did a video scavenger hunt. And one of the things on the video scavenger hunt is you had to stage a fake fight. Um, so these guys went to a restaurant, just being funny, decided to act like they were a gay couple breaking up. Got it's it. The whole premise of that video scavenger hunt, I learned this at an Aubrey Marcus event. I know a ton of people do these events because they're really good to get you out of your comfort zone. Sure. And so like, it was dumb stuff, but like he took that, like was a beautiful event and said, Jimmy's forcing these guys that gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you see the damage that like this person and it's, it's only, it's only his own insecurities. Every guy in my group is totally comfortable with themselves this way. And so it wasn't a big deal. Sure. Like I have an openly gay guy in the group. Nobody cares. Sure. Like it's safe to be there, sure. you know, but this person who has his insecurity around whatever tried to make what we're doing wrong just to make it for whatever reason, like he doesn't, yeah, I don't yeah. even know the guy, you know what I mean? And so I, when I explained it to him, he goes, wow, that's quite a bit different. Like, cool. I'm in, you know, because the thing is so beautiful and it's so pure in its form, but there, I mean, if I made mistakes, of course, like I'm trying to figure stuff out all the time and I'm willing to try things. But at the end of the day, like this course will change your life as a man. It does. It's I've got 200 walking billboards now, guys that you know, that's just absolutely yep. completely changed their life. Oh, yeah. And so I'm so, I can so proudly talk about it. I can, with so much certainty and confidence, you know, pitch this um, because I know what it does for people that, that buy in. That's beautiful. So your first group, 50 members? First group was 50 members, yeah. And then what I really, well, I had to tell 97 people that we were full and so I felt horrible about that. Like I had to literally... So when you first started, did you already know that you'd have a second group or did you think? No, originally I didn't know. I mean, I was hoping to sell out. I mean, it's not cheap, but it's not expensive, right? It's 1500 bucks a month per member. Sure. So it's like, you know, according to coaching, it's right in the middle, right? Sure. Like it's, but it's enough that you, you're serious. You, you want to take it joining. seriously. Yeah. yeah. Whoever pays the most pays the most attention. Yeah. I mean, it hurts, you know? And, uh, um, and so after that, I was like, I've got to keep doing like more it. men. Yeah. yeah. And so it's I, your responsibility at this point. Right. So I came up with six months later, I opened a tribe, which was like a cheaper version that I could scale to thousands. Okay. Cause then I could never have to turn anyone else away that wanted to be in it. But then I knew I needed a new leadership group. But the mistake that most people make with masterminds, I'd, the reason I knew how to do this was because I've been a part of all these other masterminds. Yep. And what happens is it starts out amazing first two events. Then they influx all these new people. They're trying to make it more profitable. And next thing you know, all the culture's gone or there's just too many people. And so I said, I don't want to ruin the culture. I built this family already that was like, mm. we were a team. Like we, these 50 dudes were so close, so quick. And so I said, I think what I need to do is just make new pockets. So I made a second pod and the second pocket of 50 guys. Um, this one I made a little bigger. It was like 55 because the original group, I had like five buddies sign up just to do me a favor, but sure. they never showed up. So we were down to 45. But, um, and so I ended up getting, you know, my second group and then I launched the third group and then oh, I launched wow. the fourth group. So every time so I've it's opened four it, groups there's four groups now. now. That's the max that I And can. don't you have a youth program too? Yeah. So I have the four leadership groups. There's about 220 guys total in that. And then my tribe has been growing. It's a couple hundred now. That's the, the lower version group, uh, the, you know, the more the beginner group. Um, and then I have uh, my next gen program is for kids 13 to 17. Mm. So our second event actually is next weekend. Okay. And uh, it's going to be awesome. We got, um, you know, we're teaching them all the things that they don't teach you in school that wow. really make changes the needle. We're teaching them how to be vulnerable, how to do breath work, how to. So, um, so maybe let's hit on that themselves. because I think people that haven't read Brene Brown's works, you know, they hear vulnerability and they're like, what are these guys talking about? So maybe just take 
a minute to talk about vulnerability and the power that comes with vulnerability. Sure. Yeah. It's the thing that we're the most afraid of. It's, it's basically like when the person on the inside matches the person on the outside is one way I've heard it explained, but it's like being able to say what's really going on. I remember the first time I ever got vulnerable, I was probably 10 years ago. I was at a cabin and I'd been hired to kind of upsell the people that were at this event. Right. And so I was like the sales guy, but, um, they all started getting very vulnerable and like sharing their story. It's, it's when you share the parts of you that you think make you unlovable. Um, that's essentially the best way I can put it. It's like, it's being able to share the parts of you you think are unlovable. Mm. And so it's the thing you're afraid of. Like if, Oh, so like if you said, if anybody knew this about me, I'd be embarrassed mm. kind of thing. Right. Um, but it's not like you're telling secrets. It's like me saying, so for example, for me, I was, I kind of was like, wow, like I've never really talked about how I feel. Like everyone just assumed I had all my shit together and was sure. doing great. But like deep down, I had a huge insecurity that I wasn't enough. I was always trying to prove myself. I didn't know if I was lovable. I wondered if my best years were behind me. And so I just decided, you know, I don't know any of these people. I'm just going to open up. You're going to rip it. I did. And there was like <laughs> 10 of us, 12 of us there. And bro, I'm balling. They're all balling. But they'd gone first. A few of them, they were all balling. We were all balling. So the same thing. And it's just this beautiful setting. And I connected deeper with those humans. And I was like, for the first time, maybe ever, I was like, wait, they just love me. Mm. They know I don't have my shit together. They know I'm insecure. They know I'm weak. And they love me more as much as I've ever felt someone love me. Mm. And I was like, and they're strangers. And that was the day I learned that vulnerability is a superpower. And I tell, so the guys in the group, a lot of times, you know, like there was one guy that a couple months ago, we were down in Lake Powell, a different trip than when you came as the week before. And he's like, I feel like I'm just not connecting with the other guys. They've been in the program for eight months. He's like, I looked at our pictures from the running of the bulls and I'm not in any of them. And I said, can I be honest with you? He goes, sure. I said, you're the one guy in the group that still acts like you got all your shit together. And mm -hmm. I was like, I coach your son in the next gen program. I know you guys don't talk. Wow. I know he wants wow. to be closer to you. I go, are you ready to learn? Oof. I go, do you want to go for this or not? He goes, yeah, we're in a circle of 12 as a mini mastermind. We do this at each of our events. Each guy gets about 15 minutes to discuss an issue and the rest of the guys kind of help, yeah. you know, mastermind. And uh, so I started talking about this and I said, I said, so what's really going on there? And he's like, oh, this, and next thing we know, five, eight minutes later, he's bawling his eyes out that his mom didn't love him and that's oh. why he's not able to connect with his son and all these things. And the other guys in the group are literally, you see them all leaning in and spreading, like sharing love. And one guy starts crying as he's talking back to him. And he's like, dude, he's like, I was your son in this situation with my dad. Mm. And then there's another guy's like, that's me with my son. And they're connecting. He ended up spending six hours sitting in that circle with these two men connecting. And he literally that night at the campfire, he goes, I got more to share. And he like, we finally been so, and now he's like so connected to all the other men. And so that's what vulnerability looks like. But what it is, it's just, it's the, and by the way, it's not like you go tell everybody, you don't like throw it on your sure. Facebook, but when the container has been set and it's safe and you can feel that and you can trust that those that are there, then you want to open yourself up and be a little bit vulnerable and it allows for other people to do that as well. And then your relationship just goes a lot deeper. Otherwise you stay on the surface, you know, and like my own family, like I realized this last year, like there's no lock, lack of love. Like they love each other. We all do. But there's always been this underlying thing, like nobody wants to talk about what's not working. Like sure. it's not okay to like share. Dude, I've started finding out a couple of things about a few of my family members. And what I've realized is every single one of us has gone through the hardest thing we've ever done by ourselves mm. because it wasn't okay to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a breakdown, but what it is is a breakthrough. And so eventually you can talk about those things. You get a lot more depth 
And that's the relationships that I want. Like once you've had the depth to those relationships, like the surface stuff just do you, doesn't. Do you do think it. a lot of it's just the attachment? Like you've created this persona. So like if people see you as this phenomenal business guru, you don't want to admit at times that you have this imposter syndrome and 80% of the time you don't even know what you're doing. So like, is that part of it? Like you yeah, want to well, you, you so, keep that attachment going? Yeah, so you're and you a big Tony Robbins you guy. Be, you you know, don't want to get got. I guess for sure. We don't want to, if, if people knew who I really was, they wouldn't love me. Yeah. That's what's going on underneath, which right? isn't true. No, not at all. It's the opposite. It's why vulnerability is a superpower because it feels like weakness, but it, what it really is, is it's the beauty of, I mean, it's, it's the power of connecting. Like you'll never feel more loved in your life because you'll trust the love that you're getting. And so like what happens, unfortunately, a lot of times our two biggest fears are that we're not lovable and that we're not good enough. Right. Okay. And that's, you know, Tony Robbins talks about it all the time. And so we will do whatever and, we can. And you were just at one of his events, right? Yeah, I just went to his relationship seminar. First time you've done that one? Yeah, yeah. He only does that one every other year. It's just with the platinum members. Phenomenal? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. 60 hours all about relationships, oh, romantic wow. relationships. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's my piece that I'm trying to figure out. Sure. And so I'm diving into it head first, you know. It was beautiful. I was one of about 30 single people there. Oh, wow. It's a very intimate one. There's only about 300 total people there. Um, but yeah, man, it was life changing for sure. Isn't that crazy? Intimate, three hundred thirty people. I know. That's well, intimate. if you go to those other events, it's I know six thousand. You know? Yeah. Even when he came and spoke to Vivian, I think it was a thousand. Yeah, just yeah, to give yeah. you an idea. But no, it's uh, so I don't know. Like I just think for me, here's the thing: is you don't need to like join my group or join you know your team at sure. Vivian and stuff back in the day and all that stuff. What you need to do is you need to, but you do need to find your people. And you do that, going back full circle to what we talked about at the beginning, is you're going to attract the people that are energetically in the same place as you. You yep. just will. Like, in times of my life when I wanted to be a little hoodlum, like, I was finding those girls everywhere, sure, right? Sure, sure. When I wanted, but when I start getting myself into a good place, all of a sudden, there's a different type of woman that shows up in my life, you know? It's with everything, the friends that you have. If you're in your own bullshit, you're going to attract other people. Sure. But if you are dialed in and you're doing things the right way, it's funny. We've had imposters try to like come into our friend group and oh my gosh, they get ratted out in a second if they're not there for the right reason. So what were, what would be a reason for them joining? Oh, they're trying to take, like they're trying to get something. They're trying to, you know, like get everyone to hire, to do their business uh, or okay. do their thing or like their MLM or their crypto thing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but within seconds, you can tell they're there to get instead of to give. Sure. And so, um, dude, like my friends, it's incredible, man. I like the other day, one of my buddies for my birthday, this kind of friends that I have every day, he's like, hey, he's like, we want to give you a special day that's just yours. So he had four of my best friend's wives came over, dude. And while I watched football, one gave me a pedicure, one cooked, one cleaned my house. And another one was just like, <laughs> just like, just getting all the other knickknacks and things taken care of, like cleaning out my pantry and stuff. And I was just left there. Like, your only job is to accept this. You have to just receive. You're always giving to everyone. Was it hard for you? It's harder than speaking in front of 5,000 people. Yeah. yeah. It's the next level of my growth is being able to receive from healthy women and things like that. But, um, but like, that's what I'm saying is like, that's the kind of people I want to do life with, dude. That's the kind of people I try to surround myself with. And the more that you do that, the, it gets intoxicating. It's just fun to live like that. It's fun to give back to your friends. It's fun to pour into your friends and, and have them pour into you and, and just have that kind of relationship where there's no expectation. You would never in a million years, you know, it's just, there's no neediness to it. It's just pure abundance. And that's the kind of relationships that you get when you live in that space. Beautiful. No, this has been, listen, this has been absolutely a pleasure. It's been fantastic. So many takeaways so many things that I've been able to learn. And just as I'm designing this podcast and this, this, uh, new venture, if you will, like it's, it gets me more excited now after doing this with you 
than it was before I even thought about this idea, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so cool. super empowering. So let, let's end with this. Um, you've done 500 some odd podcasts. You've, you've done tons of, um, seminars and master classes and masterminds. You've hosted them. You've been a part of them. You've been guesting them. What, what are, what, what, what should we end this first podcast with? What, what should we, this has been phenomenal. How should we end this thing? How, how, how should we send people off on episode one here? You know, there's a word that came to my mind. And for whatever reason, when you said that, this is what came to my mind. But dude, so when I started my podcast, I had this false belief. Like if I could just get that one guest, sure. it would blow up. Right. And what I was smart with doing is I had all my friends that had influence one after another, after another. And I had a chance to get Mitt Romney on my podcast. And at the time he was running for Senator is this huge get, right? Um, it was kind of funny. His team was like so annoying, but I kind of had an in, <laughs> but he's like, if you can get me 900 signatures, cause he needed all these signatures to get on the ballot. He goes, then we'll do the podcast. Oh boy. Like, how the hell am I getting 900 signatures? But thankfully there's this buddy of mine. His name's Eric little. He's a good friend. He runs all the big parties in town, the tribe. And, um, he, I taught him how to throw parties and I kind of mentored him. And so he was like, dude, if I can ever give back to you in any way, let me know. And he was doing a big party the next weekend. I'm like, how many people are coming to your party at UVU next weekend? He's like, oh, we'll have like 1500. I go, what are the odds you can get 900 of them to sign a piece of paper here for me? He goes, oh, done. And so everyone that came to the party, he's like, yeah, just sign in right here. You guys, it's a part of it. He got me like 1100 signatures. So I got the podcast with Mitt Romney, kind of funny. And uh, that's how big of a joke politics is, right? That's how he got sure. 1,100 of those signatures, dude. So stupid. But anyways. Politics so, is Hollywood for ugly people. If, I'm not right. saying he's ugly, but. <laughs> it's so good for power-hungry people. And uh, anyway, so uh, I did the podcast with Mitt Romney, and I put it out that morning. And I'm thinking, like, dude, now I've made Gonna it. Crush you know? it. Yeah. Bro, nobody gave two shits. I didn't yeah. get one text. I didn't. Nobody cared. Wow. And it was like, I started thinking about this, and I was like, oh, yeah, like if you want to listen to Mitt Romney, there's a million places sure. to go here, right? And so what I realized with the podcast, with business, with real estate, with sales door to door, there's one word above all else that's going to win every time. And that is consistency. Mm. There's not going to be this success fairy doesn't come touch the best guy. And all of a sudden he's the best. When I went and shadowed all of your guys, one of the things I did was to get to know all of them was I'd go work with them for a day. I'll never forget. I went with Reno Mendenhall, who's like the gangster of all of them. Like sure. this dude was number the one. Golden boy. Oh, dude, he was so good. And I went with him and I was expecting to just be like, Whoa. everyone opens yeah. their doors. And dude, he was getting his ass handed to him hour after hour. He got ran out of a house. He got a dog chase him. I swear, a guy ran out of the garage yelling at us. <laughs> and I was laughing so hard. And But the dude, the one thing he did, he just kept knocking. He kept knocking. By the end of the day, we had two freaking cells. And I was like, that was the most brutal mm. two cells I've ever seen. It was probably a normal day in his life. Oh, yeah. And I just realized it was like the most eye-opening thing. And I've seen this with my own business, dude. Like consistency will win in any mm. game, anytime. So with your podcast, the one thing that'll make it great is just being consistent. Like having three or four in the tank at all times. Since I started my podcast seven and a half years ago, I've never had a week go by I didn't have an episode come out. Wow. Never. And so that consistency is what allows you to get to the top and in the industry. And so that's the, I guess that's the thing that I think about to okay. end it on. This has been an absolute pleasure. So many like aha moments, so many lids removed for me. So thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for what you're doing with We Are The They and everything else that you have going on in your life. You're truly one of those champions of life. You're truly a value creator and you're making this world a better place. So thanks, man. I've appreciated you and much love to you, my brother. Always, man. You, you were there when I needed it, man. Back in the day, it was, yeah. it was big. Thank you. Thank you so much. With that, we'll sign off.